We've all heard it before. It's who you know. Welcome to Social Capital, a weekly podcast that dives into social relationships and why the investment you put into them is so important. Your host, Lori Hybe, will connect with industry-leading professionals and dive into their networking experiences and expert advice. Hey, everybody. Lori Hybe here. Welcome to the Social Capital Podcast. Our show notes are found at socialcapitalpodcast.com. If you'd like to get more involved in the conversation, join our Facebook group at Social Capital Network, a community of trust, reciprocity, and relationships. You can also connect with me on LinkedIn. Today's guest is Ashley Owens. She is the first and only networking concierge that puts you in the right situation or gets you out of the wrong one. As a networking concierge, she trains, coaches, and speaks on becoming an authority at generating revenue by networking with intention. As a networking concierge, Ashley is the host of two digital TV talk shows on RVN TV and This Is It TV, speaking and interviewing on the topic of tactical networking. Ashley, welcome to the show. Thank you so much, Lori. I'm so thrilled to be here today. I am super excited for you to be here because I don't think I've ever met a networking concierge before. It's a big fat line, the big show pony. I work the corner on weekends. We just make things up as we go. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. Um, But obviously this show is all about networking. So I'm sure you and I are going to have one hell of a conversation today. Yes, I'm excited. Um, let's dive right in. So, um, as someone who speaks, talks, teaches, coaches, all those things on networking, what has been the most effective networking tip that you have ever received? Oh, uh, the best one that I received, which I, I try to talk about all the time, is uh, nobody gives a damn about what you do. Nobody cares. Nobody cares. They care how you made them feel and what value you can bring to their lives. So I think the biggest challenge a lot of people have in that capacity is that people always forget, whether in a networking situation or um, you know doing networking activity, that they always have to be on. There is a level of good perception and, and, and good manners and being respectful, but at the end of the day, people buy or work with or connect with people that they know that they like and that they trust. So having that, uh, you know, stigma of trying to sell something or, you know, trying to impress that person needs to go away because there's no room for that. We've got things to do. (laughs) So I I love this. I think there's a lot of truth to this and that nobody, I mean, there's some people care, but they're, they're more interested in making you feel good. And that's why they're showing that they care. Um, how do you know that you're making how you are making someone feel? Uh, you look at their body language and you can understand or at least start to be more in tune with how they're perceiving you as a person. Or, you know, if you're framing out a conversation that is beneficial to the two of you, you always want to lead with service. So part of networking, one of the things that I really try to tell my clients is that, you know, you are in the great, we have the ability to be, how, how lucky are we to be able to network? Really, how lucky are we to be able to do that? And so when you are of service and we, when you are communicating with somebody new, it's really, really important to make them feel good, but also give them the opportunity to really showcase their businesses. I mean, asking the right questions, being naturally curious. People love talking about themselves, but sometimes, I mean, there's obviously other people out there that don't like talking about themselves. Um, You as a networker, somebody who enjoys to network has to lead them in a way that's beneficial to them. You'll get the information that you need from them, whether they're in a small business, big business, 
you know, if they're looking to meet a particular kind of person, but the goal is to be naturally curious and you can make them feel comfortable by having an actual interest in what they do. I love that. That's great. And I love the making them feel naturally curious. I think that's what's important and not trying to force your thoughts and opinions and beliefs and offerings onto someone, right? Yeah, absolutely. And sometimes you get that a lot in networking uh, scenarios and, you know, people can smell BS. It's not like, you know, you're going into a position where it's a surprise, you know, you're going to be, you know, having to troubleshoot through those conversations. So, um, you know, building the no like, and trust factor is so important. And I think you start that with just starting to make a friend and, and leave the business to later once you get to learn if you can even have a drink or a conversation or, you know, share recipes or something, you know, if there's a common there. That's really where you want to start. Yeah. I'm interested in all those things. Yeah. <laughs> I think this year we're like, how much can we bake? How much <laughs> can one person bake? <laughs> what is the most obscure dish you've tried this year? <laughs> <laughs> banana bread burnt, mostly burnt <laughs> banana bread. <laughs> I, I did an early banana bread phase and I'm like, okay, I got to stop making Because <laughs> <laughs> you buy the bananas and then you never eat them because you've got Triscuits because Triscuits are usually the number one, <laughs> one go-to. The worst. Uh, okay. Okay, back to our fun conversation. Okay. <laughs> we'll divert 14 times after this, but we'll start okay. pretending that we're going to go and talk about nice things. <laughs> um, so I'm really interested in your coaching process. How do you educate your, your audience on, on what it is and networking? Sure. So, you know, the, the thing I really try to focus on, especially this year with everything that's been going on, the world being on fire, is that networking took a, a, a significant change in the logistics um, and the fluidity of it. So everything went virtual. A lot of groups and organizations did have virtual options, but it was kind of more cliche and everyone would typically go to events. So the way that I coach my clients was different before the pandemic than what it is now, because, you you know, you adjust and you 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 grow within the, the needs of your client. That's what any good coach does. Um, but the way that I do it, the, what I feel like is the most important is that everybody is so different. So everything, obviously everything is customized, but as a coach, you know, I, or I hate the word consultant because I'm not, it's as a coach, I have a responsibility to train my clients in a way that's meaningful to them, which means that my personality may not match everybody else's personality, but they still need my help. So my job is to make sure that the, I understand how they make decisions and what drives them to complete tasks. So within my coaching sessions, I run a DISC profile on them. It's an emotional intelligence assessment, very, very high level. I'm not an SM. I'm not a subject matter expert in DISC, but I use that as a nice tool so I know what activities to align their decision-making process with the networking activity. So, you know, for example, and I'm saying introvert and extrovert as very, very high level example, but for the introvert, I'm not going to put them into a 60 or 90 person event or a networking event, even if it's online, because they're not really going to have the ability to, to communicate in the way that's beneficial to them. Whereas identifying good groups to be a part of and giving them, giving them strategies to connect with people one-on-one -on -one and how to ask for those meetings and, and, and putting more of a, of a stress on LinkedIn is, is 
the better option for them and they feel more comfortable. Networking is a personal activity. It's not a one size fits all thing. So the way that I, I coach my clients is, is understanding that there is fear attached to networking. It's putting yourself out there. I can absolutely empathize with that. And it's my job to one champion them um, and make sure my client feels that they have me at, at all times to help them navigate through these activities. And two, to just be that person in their army. And I'll explain it like this. So to me, and again, please take this with a grain of salt, but to me, a network is not just, it's not a support system. It's not a fan base, it's not an audience. You're building an army. And when you build an army, in order for you to lead people to fight for you in that army, you have to fight for them, you know, tenfold before they can even think about running into battle with you. So when you build a network, you're building an army. Who do you want as your general? Who do you want as your lieutenant? Who do you want as your soldiers? And then in order for you to be able, again, to lead that army and to advocate for you or to fight for you, when you're not in the room, um, you have to do that for them way more than they'll ever do that for you. So my job is to be that number two for them. So they can feel comfortable, they can brainstorm and they can work with me um, on a monthly basis and really navigate through the activities that breed the results of building a, a very robust and strong network. Love that. I never heard that analogy for coaching and or networking. I think that's awesome. Thank you. Thank you. I had a dream about it. Just kidding. I was in the shower and having a, a mini argument in my head with somebody. And then it came, <laughs> it came in as a fleeting thought. And I decided to kind of craft it in a way that made sense for people to understand the analogy. So thank you. That's fairly new. So thank you for that feedback. Shower ideas are probably some of the best ideas that come out of the shower. <laughs> <laughs> I guess we're the best source of ideas. I would say. <laughs> Let me, I didn't think that went through. I know, but I think we should build upon it to make people uncomfortable. (laughs) Um, Yeah, so uh, great place for generating ideas. But um, no, I I think it's a fantastic way to really illustrate one, what you do, and two, just the the big picture philosophy around professional networking. Um, Thank you, thank you. Nicely done overall. this is a fun question, uh, and I, I'm really interested in your response to the biggest stigma about networking. Ooh. I feel like the biggest, and this changes because it really goes from person to person, and you can kind of see like trends and, and ebbs and flows. But the biggest stigma I feel about networking is kind of in the in the midst of two different things. One is not everybody who blatantly tries to sell to you is bad. And the reason why is because they are just not, I personally feel like they're just not educated yet in best practices. So when I see somebody come up to me and throw a business card in my face or, you know, starts to, you know, do the whole salesy bit in an an environment or even on a networking call, I take it as a really interesting challenge and a teachable moment, not to tell them what to do, but to ask them the questions that allow them to think differently. And if they can do that, then I can guide them into a better experience with me, a more conducive experience for myself and allowing them to see what the other, a different way of having the conversation. I personally learn by touching the hot stove. Like, don't tell me it's hot. I will tell you how much 
I can take the burning until I remove my hand, right? That's just personally how I learn. I don't read a lot of books. I watch a lot of video on different and tutorials, and that's how I digest information. I don't necessarily blame people for that activity because they just don't know yet. And, and if, if I have the, the pleasure and the privilege of doing what I do, then I want to help pivot their, their mindset, even if it's in the first 15 minutes to show them like, Hey, by the way, like, this is a really good way of, of actually having a conversation and getting out of it, what we both want, which is either a new connection or a new way of communicating. So I think the biggest stigma is like everybody who, you know, is that, that shifty salesperson isn't necessarily a bad person. They just aren't educated yet on best practices. Um, and then the second one would be, biggest stigma is that people feel like they have to meet with everyone and you don't. And this was a hard lesson for me to learn in the very beginning of this business, because I thought that the quantity of how many people I had in my network was the validity of my business. And I learned very quickly that a great group of people who advocated for me when I'm not in the room was better than the 14 new people that I met that day. And when you follow up, like to me, the difference between a network and, and, and a friendship is, is the, in the follow-up, you know, you're staying top of mind, but you're also providing value, 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 value. And I think the biggest stigma is, you know, you, you do not have to meet with every single person, but you also have to identify what time you're spending on nurturing a network and building one. So I think the stigma, I think to answer your question, the stigma was like, not everybody who's a salesperson or, you know, shifty salesperson is, is a bad, uh, is a bad person. And the other is, um, you know, obviously following up is the most important thing. Um, but quality over quantity is a, is a, is a very, is a, is a main point and, and what I hope to, to get people to understand. I, I agree with that hundred percent. I know I struggled with this in my early networking and even to some extent I still do now. Yeah. Yeah. And FOMO is real, right? Yeah. Yeah. Very <laughs> yeah. much so. And even though you've already talked to, you know, 15 insurance sales guys, you, you still think like, well, maybe they know that next big client I could have. So right. uh, I guess, how do you, um, how do you say no without feeling like a terrible human being? And how do you really identify this is the right investment of my time with this person or, you know, this isn't where I want to be spending my time right now? I can say no without saying no. And, and that took, I mean, even this year <laughs> was the way to do it. You know, there's, there's sure. boundaries that have been done on TikTok mental health wormhole. So just bear with me if I start sounding trendy. But there, <laughs> there, there is a there's a boundary that you start to build. And um, I think it came from the fact that I was spending so much time with new people and I started feeling guilty about not nurturing the network that I had currently built um, to the to the utmost of my ability. So what I decided to do is not necessarily say no, but just decrease the amount of time allocated to the things I wanted to say no to. So in the beginning, I would have introduction phone calls with people for a half an hour. Then I would have consultation phone calls with people for a half an hour before they jumped into, you know, all these, all the training stuff that I have. What I found was beneficial was to do 15 minute phone call only 
Do not take every new person on a Zoom call because Zoom fatigue is 100% real. And just make sure that when you say yes to, let's say, a new person for a 15-minute phone call, you know why they want to talk to you. And then also have at the ready resources that you can share so you can still be of value to them, even if they, they need an introduction from you. Everybody's got 15 minutes for somebody looking for your help. Not if they're looking for you to give away things for free, like free advice or free, but if they are looking to you to say, I would just love your, your take on this area, you're not necessarily giving them the world. What you're doing is you're providing them with value, which to me is that you can still make time for. Um, I think the reason why I, 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 I stress that so much is to, I, I take every phone call. I, you know, I answer every email. And I stick to that is because when I was working as a waitress, oh, hello. When I was working as a waitress, I um, was in uh, Northville, North Jersey, and I was a waitress for three years after I had um, worked in New York City as a personal assistant to two celebrities. I lost that job due to my employer losing her mind and firing her entire staff. So uh, when I got back to Jersey, I felt completely defeated and devalued. Um, I had a gentleman and two people come over and sit at my table. They were fantastic, wonderfully friendly, very professional, and just genuinely just a great table to have. And they asked me, you know, what kind of burger should we get today? And so I'm sure from this conversation, you can see I like to do bits. So I was kind of doing bits with each of these guys and saying, they're looking a little sassy. Maybe you want this burger and add some jalapenos. Of course, I was upselling them, but you know, the goal was just to enjoy the conversation I had with them. Mm -hmm. At the end of the day, or at the end of the, um, the meal, they reached back out to me and said, hey, would you send us your resume? And I said, uh, okay, thank you, but show it in the tip, guys. Thanks very much. Show, show your appreciation in the tip. I didn't believe them. The next day, the owner of that company, who was my customer, came over and talked to my boss and said, can you grab Ashley? And they came over and they said, hey, you never gave us your resume. And so within a week, I went over, had a uh, meeting and interview with them. And within 24 hours, I had uh, a 401k, I had salary, I had benefits, and I had a job working for an online e-commerce furniture company. And it was because they gave me the time of day. They saw the value when I saw nothing in me. And they gave me an opportunity and they plugged me out or they plucked me out of being a waitress. And I loved being a waitress, but that my trajectory for anything was was very um, short and that at that time because my confidence was very low. So you can say no, and you absolutely should. I personally have a, have a fear of missing an opportunity to not give back the way that those guys did for me. Mm-hmm. So I'll always take the call. Um, but I do understand of decreasing the amount of time for those activities that don't actually make sense, sure. but that's, that's me, you know? So it just depends on as an entrepreneur, you know, who, what, what you can say no to. I think that's great. Um, the philosophy that you have, I love your story. That's super fun. I feel like you already answered my next question. <laughs> um, one of the things that I've done, and I'm sharing this only because I think it's a value, is I started what I'm calling open office hours. Yes. So yes. a month, I have one hour slotted. I use Calendly where you can now, if you have a paid version of that, you can have multiple people sign up for slots. So I invite up to five people that want to, you know, do a one-on-one with me, but instead of doing one-on-ones, there's a group, there's six of us in that Zoom call. Um, 
And that's been fun. It allows me to decide there um, if I want to have a further conversation with that individual, but I'm also allowing them to meet other people in my network that they would not have met with. So I may have to steal that, man. That's a brilliant idea. That's great. Thank you. It's been great. It's worked really well. I found um, just a couple of pointers because I've done it a few times now. One, as the owner of the meeting, you have to facilitate the meeting. <laughs> so be prepared for that. Um, and, and to, yeah, just have a couple of things like speaking points, questions to ask, you know, um, introducing each other. And, and two, um, what was the next thing? Uh, just have a plan, I guess. <laughs> And let them know what to expect before they go into the call. So how long are those office hours for? It's one hour. It's one hour. Oh, you got like a bunch of people on. That's great. Yeah. You should sign up for one and check it out. I will come <laughs> in and stalk your teams and your people. 100%. I love, that's such a great idea. I never even thought about putting, I knew I would put office hours for people who had questions and wanted to chat, but for the individuals, because I do so many 15 minute, you know, introduction phone calls, I never even thought about making it a community effort. That's brilliant. I, I think it's found, uh, what I like is that other people in my network are meeting each other. Yes. It's twofold. Ugh. It's, it's actually been, I've seen other people like connect and like do other things beyond, you know, and it was like, well, it was the magic that made it happen. <laughs> so, um, that has allowed me a lot of saving time from the one-on-one -on -one perspectives. And really this is hundred percent because of COVID because you wouldn't normally have done something like that in the real world. You'd go for an hour long coffee somewhere, you know, for right. one. So there's definitely some, and you, and you can't get out of it. <laughs> if you're, you know, if you're having coffee in person, it's like, Oh God. Okay. Mm -hmm. You know, but at home you can be like, Oh, my landlord's here or my cat threw up, you know, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so, you know, this is something I think there's a lot of things that are going to stick around um, from a networking perspective um, be, as a positive. Mm -hmm. So let's go back to some of my questions here, though. Um, fun tangents we're going on. <laughs> it's, um, you know, you and I are on the same mission to help make networking easy and fun and alleviate any fears that people may have around this. So could you share with our listeners, one of your favorite or most successful stories or experiences you've had networking? Yes. So I was giving a presentation to a technology, um, startup group and they had me coming because I focus a lot on um, the, the, the processes around networking, not in the sales, but just maximizing your efficiency. So I do a lot of templates and things like that. So I, I was talking about these different um, tools that I like using to really help with, with networking. And uh, one of the women that was sitting at the desk after the presentation, I'm sure because Lord you give them two that, you know, you get a lot of people that come up afterwards and they want to chat like, oh, this is great. So I had a woman come over and before she introduced herself, I saw her and she had such sadness and defeat in her eyes. And I was like, okay, this is going to be wonderfully interesting. I want to know what she has to say. I just felt incredible, overwhelming compassion for this woman before she even came up. 
So we started talking and she said to me, she goes, I, now she could have been an aunt of mine, right? She's a little older and so I'm 33. So she looked around a little bit younger than my mother's age. And she comes over and she says, I really enjoyed your story. I think that your background is really inspirational, which made me itch because I can't take compliments. And she was, um, she was telling me, she goes, I, have this idea for a business and I'm a, I'm a CPA. And she kind of like trailed off. I said, okay, well tell me about your experience. And she gave me the, I mean, this woman could have had a doctorate in CPA isms. Like she had 18 years and incredible certifications. And she was so dismissive of it. And it angered me not for her, but angered in, in how, common of of a practice that was for women to dismiss their credentials and i saw it more and more often as i was giving more and more presentations and um we were chatted and i i asked her almost aggressively and i look back at that now i was a little aggressive i said what the hell do you what's the worst that can happen what is the worst that can happen? I said, if you got a backup plan, your husband makes money. She goes, yes. I said, you, the kids are out of school. She goes, yes. I said, what's the worst that can happen? You try it for six months, see where it goes, give yourself a deadline. And she looked at me like I had, I had either given her the, the key to the city or completely blew up her house. Like there, I couldn't really tell what, you know, uh, how she was feeling. The reason why this is surrounding around networking and the story is because, again, I was giving a presentation and I had introduced her to a few other people um, that could help, that really um, energized women in business. And I thought that having other women kind of uh, rally behind her, which incredibly uh, helped me, it helped me in the past, um, what would also give her the, uh, uh, not the advice, the um the permission that she needed to do it. And a year later, this was like about six or seven months in my own business. So I was faking it until I made it. And, you know, a year later, I get a call from a friend of hers who I'd never met. And she calls me up and she goes, I don't know if you remember this woman, but she came to a presentation you did and she described it. And I was like, yes, 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 of course I remember. And she goes, I don't know if she's ever called you, but she started that business. And she said to me oftentimes that you were the reason why she's successful. And I haven't spoken to the woman since. I, I believe her name was Anne. I remember her, not the name. And it was one of the moments where as an entrepreneur, you just try to put things out there that will help people to their core. And again, with having that, that moment of, of paying it forward and having that as the foundation of, you know, if I were to start something, that's what I want to be the foundation and having it succeed, that gave me everything everything and everything I could possibly think of in fulfillment in all of the exhausted days it just erased all the imposter syndrome for that month and it allowed me to say okay I can keep going I'm doing something right and that was my favorite networking story because me talking to her for 15 minutes was exactly why and having the impact that I, I, I truly didn't even know I, I had on her was exactly why I started the business was to do what those guys did. And that was the first instance of that happening. So that's my favorite networking story. Oh, I love it. That is I, a cool story. Thank Ashley. you. Thank uh, you. Yeah. And to, 
you know, kudos to that friend of, of the, the lady who started the job to reach out to you because sometimes you just never know. Right. And it's, right. it's nice to know. So, um, it, I would just say, you know, in the world, anyone that's listening, if someone is doing something nice, let them know. Yeah. <laughs> well, some, we need that ego boost every once in a while. Sometimes we do. I, but, you know, I, but, you know, I think, you know, I'm sure, Lori, you can attest to this. Sometimes it's okay not to have it too, because you just keep going. And then when you do get it, oh my God, it feels like Christmas when we were kids. Not now, because everybody's crazy. But when we were kids. <laughs> We were kids of just having this incredible gift. Um, but we keep going, you know, we keep troubleshooting, we keep hustling. And, and, and I, I wish I could say that feedback and affirmation, it drives me. It's, it's like watching friends of yours succeed. That gives me the most energy and the most um, fulfillment is to see my friends succeed. And I think a little part of me, I'm sure my a therapist would probably like to comment, but I feel like the people that I work with and that I have the pleasure and the privilege to network with are part of friends in that capacity where I'm, I'm very invested in their business doing well. And when they do, it's like, oh my God, that's so exciting. It's so great. Yeah, I agree with that. And I think that kind of goes um, back to what you were talking about earlier with your, your army. I mean, your army really yeah. is like family. Right. They, I mean, yeah. you're using that analogy, the military, these people create lifelong relationships when they're in the military. Mm -hmm. So it's the same thing with your with your entourage that you're creating. You ha you care about their genuine success deeply. It's almost weird. You know, you, when you work in corporate, and I'm not sure if you've ever have you worked in corporate before like that. I've had corporate clients. I've always. Yeah worked small business. That's awesome. Okay. So, so your perspective is, is very, uh, interesting to me. So when I worked in a, in corporate, um, uh, America, there was always, you, you never felt like you were part of a family. You always felt like you were the redheaded stepchild. <laughs> and, you know, when you deeply care for people individually and you get to choose the people you care about, um, it becomes a whole different support in your soul. And, you know, in corporate America, working in, in for another person or for another company, sometimes it's forced upon you, you know, like you have to behave with this person or you have to adhere to this because this person has this kind of authority where in networking, you have the ability to choose um, who you surround yourself with. And they could be, and the point is for them to be better than you. You want to surround yourself with people who are way smarter than you are. And when they generally want to help you and don't feel like there's competition, it provides less pressure um, than anything I've ever experienced before. It wasn't until I started this, this career um, a couple of years ago that I actually even know that that existed. I just thought that that would never be something I would ever be privy to. Um, and it was overwhelming. It was very, very stimulating in the very you know first couple months of being not feeling competitive with people. And, um, you know, for the listeners out there who are looking to start their, their own business, just do it. I had no business starting a business. I got pissed off enough to make a difference. Like <laughs> pissed off enough to make a, to make a move mm -hmm. 18 jobs after graduation. It's tired of working for somebody else, mm -hmm. you know? So yeah, yeah. yeah. No, that, that, that's, that's really interesting. Um, but I can see that uh, I can totally there. Yeah. There's a lack of family and, and, 
corporate entities, I'd say overall, because of a number of reasons. We don't have to down that that funnel. <laughs> <laughs> that tangent. I could will they crack open a bottle of wine because Right. We go down that. I mean, <laughs> it's five o'clock somewhere. So. Yeah, it's almost five o'clock. <laughs> um, how about uh, nurturing your network? Is you know, you, we've talked a lot about helping people, you know, spend time establishing relationships, but how do you retain them and nurture and stay in front of this community that you're building? Right. So uh, a couple of different ways, and I'll give some tangible advice that I, that I, th- I think is so helpful. Um, so what it's all in the follow-up, right? And the follow-up can, can kind of come in different area, in different ways. So the follow-up could be giving kudos on LinkedIn. The follow-up could be saying thank you in an email. The follow-up could be reaching out to somebody and saying, um, hey, you should meet this person. Just activities that keep you top of mind. It could be sharing a resource. Um, it could be commenting on the article or inviting them, excuse me, to a networking, um, a, a virtual online networking group. It's just being helpful in that capacity. Um, one of the ways to also stay in front is to do something um, I like to call the tier one and tier two people. So when you build a network, um, the, the follow-up practices revolve around, it can, can kind of get overwhelming, truthfully. So that's why nurturing your network can sometimes feel like, oh my God, there's so many things I have to do. The way that you kind of start off with your network, you want to build your A team and your B team. And your A team allows you, and, and so what you do is you'd grab um, all of the company names off of LinkedIn. Just Google it and throw it into an Excel file. Then whoever comes top of mind when you look at those industry names, throw their names into that Excel file. That's your A-team. It could be five people, it could be 10 people, whatever. The goal would be is um, you want to be able to nurture those people the most because you've built the know, the like, and the trust factor with them. Your B team are people that you built the know and the like. You will eventually trust them. You just need more time for you to start giving them referrals or making introductions. When you follow up, the goal would be to nurture the, the, the A team with any new people that you have that you come in contact with. So by nurturing and by utilizing a, 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 a an Excel file to view your A team, when you're jumping on a call with somebody new, we're getting introduced to somebody new and they are looking for other strategic partners. Now you're nurturing the A team network by building networking equity, by introducing them to that new person. So it's kind of like, I know it seems a little convoluted, but what you're doing is just making sure that the people that you built the know, like, and trust factor are nurtured by the new people that you're, that you can introduce them to. Does that make sense? Totally. I think yeah. it makes a hundred percent sense. It's, um, I've seen some networking groups very much structured in a similar way where there's a level of like accountability towards each other in the group and industry exclusivity so that they yeah I'm not a big fan of that. that's like bni right yeah there's um i've seen spinoffs that that yeah put less pressure on the referral Whoa. passing and more emphasis on advocating and really getting to know each other that's huge um huge. yeah and and there's been some really um some really interesting positive outcomes from that, but it requires a time investment. Right. Right. 
What advice, Ashley, would you have for that business professional who's really trying to grow their network? Uh, It depends on what their goal is, right? If they're trying just to grow their network, for what reason? Is it because they want to be top of mind to their current network? Is it because they're looking to build this army where they can, you know, really uh, maximize the referrals? Is it, you know, I think it depends on what their need is. A lot of people just want to be of service and just know other good people so they can call upon them when there is an actual issue or or a challenge that they're facing. Some people build networks for mentorship. Some people build for contacts for new business or for, um, you know, if they're transitioning into a new role. So, I mean, if we're talking high level here, the best advice to grow a network is one, know what your ask is. You know, people oftentimes say, oh, I can work with anybody or I, you know, just whatever you can just, this is kind of what I do. My biggest challenge with new people who are trying to build a network is they feel like one, they have to sell and two, they don't actually have an ask for who they want to be introduced to on a strategic partner level. So a strategic partner for me is defined as somebody that will share a client, uh, will share clients. So for example, a real estate agent and a divorce lawyer are fantastic strategic partners because when you're getting divorced, you're typically upsizing or downgrading depending on the agreement, right? So you're sharing the, the, um, the client with that partner. Um, So if you look at the life cycle of your clients or of your potential clients, who else do they have to work with either before they get to you or after they get to you? Those are your top strategic partners. Um, The advice I would give is, is to, God, there's so many things I want to say, but I'm trying to keep it super high level. Um, (laughs) The, I'm just, I've had 14 cups of coffee, Lori, so bear with me here. I'm just regurgitating caffeine. Um, to grow your network means that you have to be of service. So to be selfless in what value you're providing. Introductions and people who can help the other person think differently, collaborate differently, connect differently are great ways to build a network because that you're getting introduced to good people. Um, diversify your network as much as possible. Different LGBTQ, black, white, Asian, Mediterranean, whatever it is, network with people that do not look like you because we network with people that look like us. And you need to diversify your network because it'll allow you to have different perspectives on different ideas in the world and it'll broaden up your experience and um, your perspective. Um, grow your network by diversifying it. That would be my, I think it's a fantastic tip. Um, there's definitely a lot of, of truth to that. And the reality is you are likely going to make some way more fascinating connections and learn and grow with that diversification instead of sticking around what, like you said, what looks like you, right. So what acts like you, I think there's a lot of opportunity with that there. Um, all right. Here's a fun one, Ashley. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) go back to your 20 year old self. What would you you (laughs) to do more of less of, or differently with regards to your professional career? The advice I would give my 20 year old self professionally, I wouldn't give them anything different. I honestly would just encourage 
and just say, keep going, just keep going. I look at, I don't know if about you, but I'm, I'm on Facebook and I look at time hops from like 10 years ago. And I write to my past self afterwards. I like share the post and be like, don't worry, 2010, Ashley, you'll be able to do this, this, and this. And it's just so therapeutic (laughs) to be like, you, you suffer for so long thinking that you don't have any value. And then by the time you get to the point where, where you have the resources and the tools and, and the experience to, to build something and actually get back and, and do what you wanted to do. Um, it, it's, it's a very, it's a very euphoric feeling. And I think the only advice I would give to my 20 year old self is just keep, just keep going. You'll, it'll get there. Just keep going. And every, everything is worth it. Every breakup, every, um, job failed in your head. Like it's not your fault because <laughs> 18 jobs, I never got fired. It was mergers and acquisitions and budget cuts, everything. And it was out of my control. And so I think I blamed myself for so long about just failing in the industry. Cause I used to work at entertainment and failing in the industry. And it, it wasn't me looking back. It's just, I, I blame myself for no reason, but I think it would just be keep going because the lessons that I learned of how to be resilient, of how to troubleshoot, of how to handle, even as a waitress, I loved that job because I managed different, um, uh, different personalities, uh, like a, um, like a sport, so I was able to go in and talk to so many people and be able to troubleshoot and all those things. And that, that, those were skills that I have now that I, I am so glad that I have. Um, but that would be the advice is just, just keep going. It sucks right now, but just keep going. I, I keep, um, every time you've said, just keep going, I keep thinking of finding Nemo and just keep swimming. <laughs> is that, I mean, there's truth to that. A hundred percent. I love yeah. that statement. I actually have a t-shirt that says that. So Ooh, I need it. <laughs> share the link. I need it. <laughs> um, yeah, there's a lot of truth to that. You can't stand still, especially in today's day and age. I mean, Mm-mm. you have to just keep pushing forward regardless of how crazy the world is. Yeah. So Ashley, I'm going to give you the opportunity to interview me. Yay! Something that you'd like to ask me. Yes, Lori. So when you work with your clients, what can they expect from you? What kind of experience do you give them? Uh, great question. Never been asked that one before. Uh-huh. Well, you're interviewing an interviewer, so get ready. Strap in, Lori. <laughs> okay, my buckle's <laughs> up. A hundred percent dedicated time, focus, energy on on their business. I mean and challenging them. So, you know, as, as marketing strategists, we invest time to make them understand where their strengths are in their business and to really put themselves in their customer's shoes. Mm-hmm. And now I know a lot of people have heard that walk, you know, put yourself in your customer's shoes, but no, we, we literally take, take the time to understand our client's customer mm-hmm. so that we can better position our client's online in a way to attract more of the type of customer that they want to be working with. Do you ever get pushback on ROI with social media? Yes. How do you navigate through that conversation? Yeah. So social media is one tactic in a bigger plan. Yes. Yes. And, um, there's, you know, going back to the question that I asked you earlier in your answer, I mean, it really depends on 
what is the goal that you're trying to achieve at anything at the end of the day? You know, what is it that you're trying to, if we're trying to, you know, get 10 more clients this year or increase sales by 20%, whatever it is, mm-hmm. um, start with the end in mind and then you reverse engineer how am I going to achieve that goal? And maybe likely in today's day and age, social media is one of the tactics that can be implemented to help you achieve that goal. I love that. Can I ask one more? Can I, I'm going to keep going until I tell them to stop. <laughs> okay, go for it. <laughs> so in your experience with everything and people digesting information and from your, um, you, you know, your subject matter expertise on this, where do you see with the vaccine coming out, with people doing more in-person things, with even just events too, right? Events are a big part of the marketing uh, space. Do you think... Where do you see, where do you see digital marketing going? Because personally, I think, because I, 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 I know nothing, but I think that people digest content so much differently this year than they would have the years previous. Do you see an uptick or a change in this year? And then where do you see next year people digesting content? I mean, content, uh, is many, many forms. So that, I mean, it, it, digital, yes, but it, it's also, there's traditional content mm-hmm. been produced for many, many years. Um, but, you know, once uh, the pandemic hit and things started shut down, there was basically, I don't remember exactly what the data said, but the speed of conducting business online has been accelerated by about five years due to the pandemic because it forced oh. so many businesses to react and actually function online where they were not in initially intending to, you know, look, look at how many restaurants accepted orders online now to for takeout, you know, and that was never in their business plan probably ever. Um, so, and a number of businesses, you know, even in the B2B space where now people are selling courses online and, and people are, are selling their products online through e-commerce or just doing business online where it used to be, you would meet someone at a trade show and then, you know, hopefully get some business from them. So I don't think this is going to change. Um, you know, it's the, the internet's here. Everyone has a smartphone in their pockets and is looking at it, you know, six hours a day or whatever it is. (laughs) And, um, that's not going to change. I think the evolution of the specific, uh, platforms, will continue to, to grow. I mean, you've got something new coming up every other week. Um, I'm fascinated by Clubhouse. I haven't jumped on that one yet, um, but it, it looks really interesting. And um, and I think the tactics are going to require more strategic moves because the level of competition, the level of people that are putting their voice out there is increasing. So you need to make sure that you're standing out more than your competitors. I love that. I feel like, oh, I feel like it's just, everything is like to your point, everything's changing so fast, right? People are engaging in a way years ahead than what they would have, you know, this past year. Mm -hmm. Um, Is that good or bad? I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, that's a, I, there's, I don't know. There's a yeah. lot of million things going in my head right now. <laughs> yes. 
Um, no, that's a good question. It's an interesting topic to kind of dive deeper into, and I think would be a great conversation for another episode. Yeah. <laughs> um, I don't know. I mean, there's, is anything good? You know, TV was considered a sin how many years ago? Yeah. Um, so, and now there's a gazillion channels more than I can keep up with. So um, I think it's just a, the natural evolution of, of technology and, and information. Yeah. So interesting. All right. I'm not letting you ask me any more questions. I, know, I, was, I was just thinking more things. Okay. What about a fun one? What about a fun one? Okay. Okay. That's it. And then you're done. And I'm done? Okay. Okay. I have a fun one. So if you could pick between... <laughs> Sorry. You can pick between eating burnt banana bread for the rest of the year or pizza. What would it be? Pizza. I mean, there's okay. no, I'm ordering pizza tonight for dinner. <laughs> Maybe I'm just hungry. <laughs> All right. Okay. I'm done. That's okay, Ashley. Uh, what's your final piece of advice that you'd like to offer our listeners with regards to growing and supporting your network? Build your group of champions to become your army. Love it. Thank you. If anyone was interested in getting in contact with you, what is the best way that they can reach you? Ashley at ashleyassists.com is my email. Ashleyassists.com is my website. And I'm on every social media platform except for Pinterest. Right. We will include all of that information in our show notes. This was a super fun conversation. Ashley, thank you so much for taking the time to be on the show. Thank you, Lori. And thank you for having me. Absolutely. All right. This wraps up our episode of Social Capital. If you want to continue the conversation on networking and building your community, join our Facebook group. Just search for Social Capital Network. If you need me, send an email at laurie at socialcapitalpodcast.com. Otherwise, we'll see you next week. That's all for this episode of the Social Capital Podcast. Visit socialcapitalpodcast.com for show notes, more episodes, and to see who will be on the show next. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you next episode.